Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Network, the future of global informatics podcast, where we discuss global informatics through conversations with industry leaders and innovators so that you can understand what it is, what it does, and how it shapes the healthcare of our future. I am your host, TJ Southern. Good day, good day, and welcome to another episode of the future of global informatics. It's your girl, TJ Southern, and today we have Jeffrey Whitey. Hi. Thank you for having me, TJ. I appreciate it. Hey, oh my God. So excited to have you on here. Okay, y'all, as I always say at the top of the cast, get your pen and your piece of paper ready because I am so sure that Jeffrey has nuggets for us. I'm sure of it, y'all. Positive. All right, Jeffrey. First thing up, tell the people about yourself. Tell our listeners about who Jeffrey Whitey is. Again, thanks for having me on, TJ. It's a pleasure to be here. So as you were saying, uh, Jeffrey Whitey, I'm currently serving a few different roles. So I'm academic director of Health Informatics at University of Denver out here in Colorado. Mm -hmm. I'm also serving a contract right now to help out the Colorado Department of Public Health and um, Insight Global doing the rapid response COVID relief program here for the state. So I've been doing that for two years. Wow. As well as, yeah, as, well as I also own my own LLC, Shape Consulting, to kind of help out uh, nonprofits and other health systems with um, things such as healthcare strategy, analytics, and project management. So mm, that is so amazing. Okay. So now, see, Jeffrey didn't already drop nuggets for us, y'all, because look how multifaceted he is, even being in this industry. Now, I, I will call him a unicorn, but I know other unicorns just like him. Okay. We, there are a lot of us that are multifaceted in this industry. So I'm glad to have Jeffrey on so that he can tell people that we are able to be multifaceted. Okay. So what inspires your current work in this industry? So I think it's a little bit of everything for my background, TJ. So I grew up with a family that had two individuals that were in healthcare. My mom's a nurse mm. and my brother's a doctor. So had a lot of pressure to go into healthcare. I ended up not going that route. I went up the computer route instead and also served 12 years in the Air Force. So oh, I didn't wow. take the conventional I didn't take the conventional route into healthcare, um, but the last three years within health or in the Air Force, uh, serving as a management analyst, I spent three years with the Air Force's medical operations agency. So did a lot of work in there doing um, simulated um, process flows, uh, workflow analysis, staffing patterns, all that kind of stuff. So did a lot of work for the Air Force's uh, agency down there and also the Surgeon General. Mm. When I got done with that, I um, got my education done when I was in the military. I was like, all right, I'm going to come back home to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I uh, started off uh, actually working at Denver Health. I was a process improvement specialist there and a project manager down there for a while. Mm. Moved into um, working with a federally qualified health center out here in uh, Colorado for three years as a director of performance improvement, really working through helping them set up strategy, project management, quality, compliance, those kind of elements. Um, spent about a year doing some uh, consulting work with a group that did process improvement and facility design. Mm. And unfortunately, like many others, I got hit with that infamous COVID, uh, COVID layoff bug. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
lucky for me though, after about a month and a half of looking, I end up working with that and a job I told you is the um, rapid response uh, manager for the state of Colorado Insight Global Partnership, where we've done quite a bit of work. I've actually used a lot of the analytical skills to work that. And then as I started working that job, I was uh, adjunct uh, faculty over at DU. They had just spun off their health informatics as a totally separate program. Mm. My background, and they're like, okay, we want you to apply. And lucky enough for me, I got it. So um, a lot of different backgrounds for me, as you can kind of see. Um, but the big thing that really inspired me was that concept of informatics within healthcare. Mm -hmm. I was always scared. The main reason why I didn't get into healthcare with my family's uh, push was I didn't want to get into patient care because I was always afraid of that malpractice piece. I didn't want to feel like I had somebody's life in my hand at times. So, oh my God. and I was a techie and I uh, grew up being a techie. So I was like, you know, I wanted to go computers, but what I started realizing, especially over the past 15 years was informatics is a larger thing. I mean, if you mm -hmm. just look at the definition of informatics by itself, it's just the science of information. Love it. And information's everywhere, I especially in healthcare. So I really, especially like if you look at the HIMSS uh, definition of inf uh, healthcare informatics, like looking at that concept of how you diverge and converge both together and separately, all the different information for healthcare, cognitive information mm -hmm. science, science, how do you get all that stuff together? So my big passion is getting all these different uh, elements together. Cause I think the one challenge that I see and the one thing I try to help out with, with whatever role I take on is, we have a lot of technology options for healthcare. Mm -hmm. Very, very few seamless options, in my opinion. A lot of it's fragmented. A lot of it's just kind of duct taped together based on what uh, options you had available, what somebody's passion was and they brought into the organization, what vendor you could get cheap at the time, whatever it may be. And all those things do come in play. I've been in many different situations where I get money constraints and technology constraints. But on the flip side, too, is I think we've come to a point where there's a lot of options out there and we have to go past just can this fix a problem here, but looking at a larger holistic system issue. Oh, my God. OK, so you just like you just blew my mind. Just OK. So first of all, we're going to start here. Thank you for your service. All my vets, thank you for your service. I happen to be a Navy brat. My mom, dad, brother, all in military Navy. So thank you for your service for that. It's so, it, it is, uh, I don't even have the words for it. Just you being stuck between a nurse and a doctor. Like you were pretty much destined <laughs> to be in healthcare. But the cool thing about it is you were able to carve out a piece uh, for the tech part, that is the part right. right there that just gives me so much love is because, you know, myself too, you know, I, even though I became a nurse, that was the thing. When I became a nurse, I was like, I don't want to work on the floor. I don't want to be these long hours, you know? <laughs> so that's how I ended up in the tech space. And when I tell you that I just absolutely love it, absolutely love it. So I understand that, you know, navigation through the whole healthcare system and world the part that I just really want to concentrate on is, and like, guys, as he was talking, I'm sitting here like lights on, right? As he's sitting here talking, because 
One thing about a lot of the informaticists that I have interviewed is they all say the fragmentation of the information is really what drives them, right? That's the major problem that it seems many of us are wanting to solve at this current state of the game. And I totally, totally just admire the fact and love it that you see it and you're like, hey, we really need to fix it. Not only that, I absolutely love the fact that you talk about now systems in a holistic point of view, because you're right. For years, we have just put stop gaps, right? I almost equate it to like, you know, you got a hole in the Hoover Dam and you just going to take a piece of bubble gum and just stick it in there, in, right? That's what we've been doing with technology in healthcare for years. Now we have this wall of gum that is getting ready to come down. <laughs> so I love the fact that you have acknowledged that now. So my question to you is, what is it? What is it that you're focusing on now to resolve that issue? Do you have anything that you're working on that you're cooking up right now? So I think uh, kind of twofold. And I love your analogy, uh, first off, with the Hoover Dam being held up with a piece of bubble gum, because I think that's always, I think the concern, especially when I'm in healthcare, because unlike other organizations where it's like you work with a financial institution or you work with a um, hospitality area or something else is there's usually off periods. You can have a time to come offline and be able to fix things or do things. Healthcare, especially if you're in health systems that have hospitals, EDs, something else, you don't have the ability to just mm -hmm. stop the river so that way you can tear down the Hoover Dam and build it back up. <laughs> uh -uh. So that's why a lot of these stop gaps happen is because people are afraid until you get to a point where you do something, let's say like a large EHR integration, and then it's almost a pain in the rear for about a month because you have so much that goes wrong because it's just yep. a night switch. Yeah. So the uh, two things I really work with when I try to you know, work with individuals is a having them see the larger picture of things. So when I look at that, I look at the strategy of their business in terms of healthcare. So like when I started coming into this role with the state and helping them out with the augmentation of staffing and resources for um, doing these outbreak and response type sites throughout the state, it was one of those things they originally just brought in the contract of saying, okay, here's the number of people that we're going to probably need. Here's what it looks like for spots go. I went kind of a step beyond that role when I started doing things and I got to build a great relationship with the director over at the lab that was working with us and really focusing on things such as looking at heat maps and patterns and those kind of things throughout the state and looking at other socioeconomic and uh, social determinant type factors that are playing into those kind of things. Because at first, the state was very quickly to just trying to respond to the outbreaks and the like everyone else, mm -hmm. like everyone else. They had used the Colorado national guard for three months to help augment. And once those orders were coming up, they're like, we need something else. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, we're going to put people here, 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 here. And they were just kind of throwing things at the map mm -hmm. thinking that's the best spot. So I took their old guard information. I took some of the stuff that we had been doing for a couple months and started doing heat maps and showed them, placement. And I also started overlaying it with other things, such as as much as I hate to admit it, there's always relationships between other elements. 
mm-hmm. housing insecurities, um, uh, poverty lines, even political uh, alignments of counties. Yeah. You start to see those and they start to show why those heat maps exist. Mm. So I really try to go beyond just a, here's what the data we have and trying to forecast it, but what are the other factors that come into play? Because mm. health, as you know, as much as I do, your health is not 100% the care that you receive at the health system. Those socioeconomic and social determinants of health play a major factor in how you get your health. Great impact. So, You've got to look at the wider scope of data that you have, census information, mm-hmm. um, and you just keep looking at those things and integrating it. So my goal, like I said, is I really try to push forward and saying, how do those factors play together and how do we get better at mapping things out? But by doing that, I was able to help reduce the state's expense budget with uh, staff because we were able to then hire people in the right spots for them to respond to. So that way, mm-hmm. instead of driving two, 300 miles across state to get to certain sites, we minimize that and we reduce their travel budget by about 40% at one point. So mm-hmm. it helps looking at those kind of things. And then those resources can go off to other things such as they don't have to divert uh, all this money to send people across the state that may not be needed. Now they can do better PPE or they can do other um, like shelter uh, and tense canopy stuff when they're doing pop-up sites. So that way staff are better taken care of. So it was kind of a holistic look at that. I do that. I've done that with other uh, organizations when I've done, like I said, consulting with process improvement facility design. We, had the opportunity of working with a group that was out in the East Coast that was building a new ambulatory surgery center. And we spent the time not just looking at, okay, we're going to put this specialty, this specialty, and this specialty in the building, but it's how does the patient flow work, right? How do we look at different things to help them move through and access their healthcare better? But we even went a step further than that. We looked at, okay, what are some of the common issues that patients have when they go through a specialist and needing surgery or um, chronic care. And one of the big things that we saw was the inability to get technology to help them at home. Mm. So we ended up uh, pitching the idea to them, which they put into the design was having a uh, basically like a little apple bar, Mm. like the apple store bars inside the um, surgery center where they can actually look at the different wearables and modules oh, that's cool. that they could use at that's home. Cool. And also if they get it prescribed by their provider to actually have the DME representatives there to actually give it out at the time, not having uh, a for home delivery that might be 10, 11 o'clock at night. Man, let me tell you, that is absolutely amazing balls. Like that's, when I tell you that's innovative, that is innovative. Oh, yes. Okay. So now tell me this, because you're a process improvement. I see that you're a project manager. How how many times do you have to put on that pip hat? How many times <laughs> do you have to Every put day. on? Every day I'm working with these things. And I think, I, as you know very well, we put on a lot of different hats, whether it's that project management hat, whether it's a process improvement hat, whether it's mm-hmm. an analytics hat or a manager hat. What I try to look at with this is looking at kind of how Steve Jobs presented the iPhone way back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was never how he explained it. It was not too new technology at the time. We already had Blackberries and things that had 
uh, ability to store data. We already had an iPod that you could uh, store your songs. We already had cell phones. Yeah. He didn't need to reinvent those things. Instead, what he did was he took the time to really focus on what did the consumers want mm-hmm. and how to package it in a way that they wanted it. And I think that's what we really should start focusing on with uh, a lot of informatics and healthcare is yep. We have so many options out there, but instead of just saying, okay, we think that this shiny new thing is the right thing, really taking a step back and listening to our patients, our staff and providers, our population and communities, like, and even our payers, as much as we may not like the payers at times, that's what helps keeps the engine going. At the end of the day, I tell people all the time, they keep the lights on. The dollar sign is what turns the world. And and it's not just just insurance for uh, payers. We often think there's foundations and grant writers and all these different things. So to me, it's looking at all these different areas and figuring out systems that incorporate all of them together. Because what I often see happening is, we talk about, okay, we want to be very patient-centric, but what happens? That nurse is picking up 20% extra work because we didn't think about what this is going to do to her or him. Yeah. We instead, okay, we're going to do all this stuff for the staff and the patients, but we are not thinking of how is this scalable to the rest of the community? Great. We yeah. can serve 100 patients, 200 patients. But when we have a community of 200,000, we're barely hitting that mark. Mm. And like you said, the payer piece, you have to be able to say, how am I going to get funding for this? Because as much as I'd love healthcare to be totally free to everybody and we don't have to worry about money, that's never going to be the case. Never so, at all. So we've got to worry about how we're going to be able to make sure that those things are afforded correctly. So my work that I do a lot of times with uh, folks is really focusing on how do we get that? And that's also what I've been trying to bring uh, once we launched this health informatics program and to use getting people to learn those kind of concepts as they go forward, because people that get into informatics come from a variety of life. You have your clinicians, such as yourself. You have administrators, such as myself. You have people that are IT focused, both within healthcare and also coming out of uh, uh, other industries. Like I've had students come from marketing. I've had students come from um, DOD and they're wanting to come into different areas, but we have to get them trained to think about how to be those data analysts and scientists, how to be IT leaders within health systems, how to be an informaticist, how to work with data sets, how to be entrepreneurs, whatever they choose. But it's that center gap of getting them to think of that robust full system, because what happens is when people learn just fragments of things, they often take what they learn and they go try to implement them instead of thinking of that larger scale. So oh that's my God. Yes, yes, yes. So let me asking so, about my yeah, asking so, about my work and my passion. That's where it is. So let's 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 go back to that education piece because let me tell you, you you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, we have people from various backgrounds coming into health in, you know, health care information technology or just you know, HIT. And in that being said, a lot of people don't know what informatics actually entails, right? Until they actually get into it. And then they're like, oh my God, I I did not know. So my question to you is, it's going to be a two-part question, actually. A, how do we attract the brains over into this industry how how do we attract them over into this industry that's a and b 
how do we support them coming from education into the real world? So how to attract them? A lot of things that we see when we reach out to students and even when I reach out to folks uh, in my different work areas and trying to get them encouraged to go back to school or to find a new skill or whatever it may be is really to follow your passion. I think that's the one thing that I learned from myself is I was very just trying to make it by. I was trying to make the best money I could at first. And I wasn't worried about the passion. Once I started getting into this passion area of knowing how to try to really fix systems, I started growing. So one of the big things I try to do when I talk to folks is how do you get that passion out of you because a lot of people want to help others. A lot of people want to build with technology. A lot of people want to solve problems. So how do you encourage them to get there? And I think going into a structured program or a mentorship or professional organization is a huge way of getting them in there involved and attracting them. Mm -hmm. In terms of your second piece about how do we help them get through and how do we uh, mold them? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of organizations out there while I, you know, am happy to uh, plug mine, but there's, dozens if not more informatics programs out there throughout the nation or even the world that are having students come through and these kind of things and a lot of these programs have students do internships or capstones or fellowships or other things where they want that hands-on application it's great to learn from a classroom it's great to hopefully like what we try to do is get them real world data sets or other things to get in front of them but it's still not the same thing as working with an actual clinical team, working with uh, health administrators and saying, how can I actually identify a problem and how can I help give you the recommendations to solve it? That's it. And my big push to anybody that listens to this is find an organization that you're able to partner with and have them partner with you, whether it is internships, whether it is coming in to guest speak at a a class, whether it's anything like that. There's tons of opportunities to get in front of students as well as get students involved that really help that. I think the one thing that I learned was I had a student, he came from Africa, just got done graduating this past uh, summer with me. And he is one of the shining stars that I kind of give as my speech when I talk to anybody Um, that talks about either wanting to come into my program or partnering with my program is he came in and had very little uh, contacts in the uh, U.S. and didn't really know where he was going to want to go, knew he wanted to do into healthcare information, but didn't know exactly what. Mm -hmm. Got him involved with HIMSS, both Mm -hmm. our Colorado chapter as well as the national. He went and volunteered at the HIMSS annual conference, was a volunteer uh, greeter and coordinator there got to know a lot of folks actually got in front of somebody who ended up being one of our faculty to get involved with her to do some projects and his capstone and all these things volunteered at our COVID testing lab on campus. He did what he could to just get in front of everybody and to just be a sponge and learn it all within uh, one week of our uh, term ending and him graduating. He had an offer that he accepted to be a senior consultant at a consulting firm. So like me, That's the kind of thing that I love hearing, but it was twofold. One, he had to really go out there and use those resources that were available to him. But if it wasn't for individuals to actually give him the chance for individuals to work with him and to show him that 
it would never happen. So my big thing is that I always push to folks, no matter what your organization is, whether you're a community health center, a nonprofit, a consulting firm, large health system, is there's always ways of doing things, whether it's a paid or unpaid internship or just a project or something to get them involved. Because if mm. they don't get that exposure, they don't know where to go and they don't know how to really grow themselves. So that's I my- love it. I love it. Y'all, he dropped a whole golden rock. I pray that y'all picked it up because he dropped uh, the path to success. Get involved, volunteer, find you some organizations, align yourself, find your tribe. He dropped a whole huge golden nugget. So I pray that y'all picked it up. Jeffrey, what, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Yeah. So like I said, I'm still uh, overseeing that health informatics program at DU still, um, like I said, own my uh, LLC to help out other organizations if they need anything in terms of healthcare strategy projects or analytics. And I'm still kind of helping out part-time with that uh, state uh, contract still as they are, are doing different things, still vaccines and the occasional monkeypox. Uh, <laughs> out so, still, I'm sorry, y'all. I know. But, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not laughing at the monkeypox. I'm just it's just a it's always something. <laughs> Jeffrey, what are your words of wisdom that you have for the people? What do you want to let the people know when you depart? I think the three things I just covered one of them was uh, whether you're somebody new trying to get involved or somebody experienced, make those connections, network, get involved with folks, whether you're learning from others or you're able to give your wisdom to others. That's a big thing for me. Another piece is informatics is a very broad spectrum of things within healthcare. Mm -hmm. And that the more we start to focus on that system and holistic care, even outside the health system and how we start pulling it together, we're going to see better results, I think, from our informatics efforts. And really the last thing is never lose sight of your passion. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that I've learned is Mm -hmm. if you're sitting there and you feel stuck if you feel like you're in a rut those kind of things that usually means that maybe you're not doing exactly everything that is driving you to do that and Mm. doesn't necessarily mean you have to go quit your job tomorrow but looking at how can you change it whether it's i like doing projects and i want to go help my uh, clinic staff with a project every now and then or i want to pick up a new skill set or i want to get involved with a nonprofit or whatever it may be but find something to help keep you going because without that passion Burnout's a huge thing. And if you don't do self-care and you don't have passion about something, you're going to get hit hard. And I really strive for this because I've had too many people that I know between the military and healthcare that have suffered from mental health and they just lost a passion, they lost themselves. And I don't want to lose others to those kind of factors again. So take care of yourself and take care of your passion. I love it. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. I pray that y'all got these nuggets that Jeffrey dropped on us today. Thank you so much for your time. It was such an honor and pleasure to meet you, fellow entrepreneur, fellow faculty, fellow consultant. It was such an honor to and pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for giving us your time. All right, y'all. See you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us today for another episode of the Outcomes Rocket Network, the future of global informatics podcast. 
If your organization is looking for informatics talent, go to www.barillas.net. That is www.berylus.net. And we can assist you in finding some of the best nursing informatics talent this continent has to offer. We'll talk to you later. Have a great day. See ya.